Okay, it's one o'clock, so we'll go ahead and get started and then people can join um, as they come on. But welcome to our From the Field. Today we are talking about glyphosate alternatives with Dr. Albert Ajessawar from the University of Idaho Extension Office in Kimberly. He's the um, weed scientist. And we just have questions for him about there's obviously the price of glyphosate Roundup has gotten much, much higher, up to 300% higher in the past year. And there's a lot of conversation surrounding Roundup with um, lawsuits and health, people who think it's unhealthy. Um, so we are going to talk about some alternatives to that. And Albert, I'll let you just go ahead and get started. You can introduce yourself a bit if you want, but tell us the pros and cons of glyphosate for pre-plant burndown in wheat and what some of those alternatives are. Thank you, Brittany. Um, and, and thank you to Garrett um, and Casey for making this happen. I know Corey um, has been really instrumental in getting some of this going in the past too. So. Thank you for having me. And once again, my name is Albert Agisiwar, and I'm the Extension Week Specialist. Um, so today, I would just like to start this conversation about um, glyphosate alternatives and then some trials that were funded by the Wheat Commission and Bali Commission. There are a couple of slides in here, um, or most of them that I have talked about in the past, and, but I don't know if all of you here have seen some of these presentations. So, I'll still go through some of that. And then if you have any questions, please stop me at any time. And I'll have my contact information at the end of the presentation and you can contact me at any time with questions that you have. So uh, Brittany started talking about um, some of the issues we see with glyphosate, um, meaning that it's getting expensive. Um, also, we have some weeds that have already developed resistance to glyphosate. And then also just the public um, view of glyphosate in general. And so like glyphosate has been a very important tool for weed management pre-plant just because it controls almost any weed it comes to contact with. So it controls a lot of broad leaves and grassy weed. Um, and then also it used to be cheaper compared to a lot of herbicides. So it works well, it used to be cheaper. And also it hasn't stick in the soil for a long time. And so if you apply glyphosate today, you might be able to plant your grains tomorrow. And so to find an alternative to glyphosate, it has to do those things that glyphosate does. Um, it has to control all the weeds or most of the weeds that you have. It has to be um, little, you have to leave little residue in the soil. So that means that you can apply and then plant wheat the next day or just shortly thereafter. And on top of that, it has to be economical. Um, and we use glyphosate as a benchmark. And so now that the price of glyphosate is going up, we probably open the room for some of these chemistries um, to be used um, for people and burn down. And also I added that last point um, that if you are selecting a replacement for glyphosate, um, you would have to ask yourself, is, it the, is this herbicide the one that I use most in, the, in my wheat crop? For example, if you spray um, dicamber or a lot of like 2,4-D in your grains, and then you should just try and stay away from that 
for pre-plan burn down because if you rely on that tool too often, you might start selecting um, for resistance. And so this table is just a list of some of the herbicide options. Um, so the first one is the glyphosate that we all use um, for pre-plan burn down. And then we have paraquat or gramoxone on that. And then the third one is a group 14 herbicide, Revitin. I don't know how widespread that is. I don't know if you can find it in your local um, dealership to buy it, but it's a group 14 herbicide recently labeled for pre-plant burn down wheat. Um, the first three would control both broad leaves and grasses. As I said, if you are looking for a replacement, you want something that would do something around up that. And then there are a couple of herbicides that would only control your broadly weeds, and so like kosher, um, Russian thistle, common lamb scorters. And then this will be your aim, and aim is also labeled for use in crop and sharpen. Um, sharpen is a good 14 herbicide. If you apply at high enough rate, around four ounces, you'll get some soil activity as well. So it will control and to give you pre-emergent weed control um, as well. And we have bromoxenol and a lot of products um, that contains um, Bromoxenol, so Brox and Maestro, um, Bactrol. And then we have Vida, and Vida is mostly like a, um, a desiccant, so it acts really fast, just like you see for paraquats and then um, Chapin. And then Dicamber, it's a good for herbicide. Um, it's relatively less expensive, and so it will only control broadly weeds. And so if you have broadly weed, Dicamber is a very good and a, and a very good tank tank mix partner for glyphosate, uh, if you are applying those in, in addition. Then we have QLX, which has a group two and group four herbicide um, in it. And that would also give you only broad leaf control. And the last on the list will be um, your group one herbicide. And so that would be like your select, um, you are sure to post. And I would mention that this are sure to is the same active ingredient in aggressor um, if you are planting like coaxium wheat um, for uh, with control um, for grains. So I'll start with the glyphosate. I'm just gonna go through some of these parts and then I would end the presentation with some general recommendation on the trial results. Um, so glyphosate, um, we use uh, Roundup Max a lot, the regular Parmax, um, but we have Parmax 3 that has a high load of Roundup. Um, I talk with the um, industry reps, um, they want to focus more these towards um, runoff ready crops. Um, they are coming with a new kind of similar formulation for dry land, um, which you call out, out, RT something, and that will be kind of more um, useful to dry land growers. But basically it's gonna be the same formulation as the PowerMax 3. And supposedly it has like kind of um, better um, load of surfactant and that should probably perform better in dry land conditioning. So, we have some of this included in our trial to see if it does well in dry land conditions. And M, as I mentioned, is very low use rate, 0.5 to two ounces an acre. And you have to apply, um, you can apply this even after the weeds comes down. And so if you have broadly weeds, and this will give you a pretty decent suppression of broadly weeds. Um, if you want to control it better, so especially if you are taller, like four inches and above, you would have to um, include something else in the tank. And it's a good 14 herbicide. And so if you are mixing this with something else, you try to stay away from other good 14 herbicide. Vider is kind of the same thing as M, um, different active ingredient by the same um, group, the same use rate. And in this, as I mentioned, this is more like a desiccant. So it will give you very um, fast suppression. 
But I should mention that most of these contact herbicides, like the AIM, Vita, and you would have to add a surfactant to it. And most of the time, they recommend um, an, um, a non-ionic surfactant. We have to add a crop oil to this, and this helps get this herbicide into the plant. And I will talk about some of the, on my two last slides, talk about why some of these is important, especially if you're on dry land and the weeds are stressed. Revitin, um, as I mentioned, is a good 14 herbicide, um, relatively new to the market. But it, this will give you, um, it's not like your typical group 14 herbicide. You control both broadleaves and grasses. Um, use rate is one to three ounces an acre. Um, if you are dealing with small weeds, you can get away with one. Um, but if the weeds are a little bit bigger, you'd have to go to three to um, two to three ounces. It mixes well with other chemistries um, like um, Roundup. And so you can include this for like fast acting and you act really fast, um, um, just like Roundup. And they recommend adding um, a high surfactant oil concentrate. Um, so Superb HC is the one that um, one of the ones that they recommend. And if you apply with that, and we've seen really good with control um, in our trials and adding that surfactant um, to that. If um, you don't get good with control, they're allowed to make sequential application, but um, the 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 price for this is around $5.5 um, per ounce of this and so if you apply one ounce it's it's manageable but if you want to go to three ounces you are trying to get into like almost um fifteen dollars hi Corey your hand is up now you said Reviton likes a crop oil surfactant but you've yeah. also said Reviton likes to be mixed with glyphosate for the best control and my understanding is glyphosate and crop oil don't get along very well, I've always been told. Uh, give me some thoughts on that. Um, yes, that's a good point to make. If you're mixing with brown up, you would have to go with NIS, like um, um, ionic surfactant um, for that. Um, so we, in our trials, we either use NIS or like combination of NIS and AMS. Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Corey. Um, bromoxanol is labeled for use in crop, um, and so this is one of the situations where if you rely a lot on bromoxanol um, for in-crop weed control, then you might want to stay away from um, this from free plant burn down just because you don't want to rely on that chemistry um, a lot. And the use rate is around one and one to one and a half pints an acre, around uh, um, 16 to 24 ounces um, per acre. And this you can apply after the weeds emerge, um, but then it's labeled for using weekends. We can apply even after the week comes up. Um, if you're dealing with tall weeds, um, example, um, because it's a contact herbicide, uh, you would have to add something else um, to this to get a better weed control. Um, Sharpen, it also mixes really well um, with glyphosate and Liberty and um, most of the other chemistries. Um, low use rate, but once again, very expensive, um, but I've seen value in this, especially if you have a lot of dust or the weeds are stressed. Sometimes it just pays to add some of these um, to some of these to your tank, and, and it helps like kind of get a kind of like it's kind of rapture cell membranes, and so like kind of help that habits like into the plant for better control. And once again, you can make sequential application, and if you apply sharpening at high enough rate, and as I mentioned, it's expensive. Um, you can get residual control. And so pre-emergent um, with control 
uh, with Chapman as well. We all probably know Gramoxon. Um, it's fast acting. It's a restrictive herbicide, um, restricted use herbicide. Um, relatively inexpensive, but there are a lot of like tough regulations now um, with um, Gramoxon, depending on the, how many acres you apply, it might have to be in the closed system, um, kind of like you have to be um, in a cap that kind of protect you from that um, chemistry. And so once the Fed starts adding some of those restrictions and then probably these are numbered. And so um, just kind of, if you don't, if you can apply this safely, it's a good chemistry um, and also mixes well with some of the other chemistry that I mentioned previously to control. This also controls um, both grasses and raw weeds. Um, dicamber labeled for up to eight ounces an acre. Um, it controls only broadleaf weeds. Um, so to control like grassy weed and um, you will have to add something else to the tank and it mixes well with glyphosate too. Um, the label says you have to wait at least 10 days prior to planting, but this is labeled for use in wheat as well, um, grains. And so um, I've not seen any injury um, by applying this pre-plant, but it's a good chemistry to add. But once again, if you use that camera a lot in crop, then you might wanna just at least try not to rely so much on this um, for weed control and pre-plants. And for the grass herbicide, I just use Select Max um, because the grass herbicide is gonna act nearly the same or similar way. Um, use rate is around nine to 16 ounces. If you have perennial grasses, I think the label allow you to go up to 32 ounces. Um, and you can make um, sequential application, but I think you have to wait at least 14 days because you can do, do the second um, application. I just wanna mention that um, for these chemistries, most of the time you would have to add a surfactant or a crop oil um, for this to act well. Um, and a, 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 an example is a select max where you have to um, add um, crop oil in most cases or MSO um, to get this to work. And because the grass herbicide, just like Axial um, and other, it, they act very slowly. So when you spray, they will stop the plant from growing, but it takes a long time to burn that to the ground. And so just you have to have that patience and just know that it will kill the grass eventually, but it just takes a long time. And I mentioned that if you are in the coaxium wheat production system, you're probably gonna be using um, Agressa um, on that. And so we just have to then not use so much of this grass herbicide and um, pre-plant. But then you can use some of these if the grassy weeds are your major problems. I also mentioned that if you add um, a group four herbicide to this grass herbicide, it tends to reduce efficacy. And so if you are tank mixing, please um, just look at the label and just see um, most of these don't do well when you um, mix them um, with 2,4-D and LV6 and, and the other um, group four herbicides. So I'm just gonna share some of the results from our pre-planned rundown trials. Um, and most of you have seen this already. And so you can just close your eyes or take a nap. Um, this is, um, next few slides now end with some general recommendations. And if you have any question, um, please feel free to interrupt me at any time. And so I'll quickly just go through um, these herbicide programs. And so we have impact, which is a group 27 herbicide, it's a bleacher. Um, kind of one component, um, kind of similar to one component, Husky um, and Talino. Um, and it's super expensive, um, but then it, it controls broad leaves and grasses, not too good on grasses, um, but just kind of looking at how to broaden um, kind of our options. So it's not labeled for pre-plant brain down yet, um, but 
So far, we haven't seen any injury um, from, from impact. And then we have the um, Reviton here um, and different combinations of that. We add a superb HC to this at 1.1 volume um, per volume. We have Dramoxon, um, we have Liberty. Uh, Liberty, um, the use rates around 22 to 29 ounces an acre. We try to use a, a high end of the rate just to see if this works well and then we can cut back to the rate uh, because we know that some of these are expensive. So if you can get good control with the lower rate, you don't wanna go um, that high up. Um, I just wanna mention that Liberty tend to have some limitations when it comes to weed control when it's dry um, and it's, it's hot, it doesn't work so well. Um, some work that has been done in the past um, so if you if you mix liberty with sharpen or some of those group 14 herbicide, it then kind of overcome those limitations. And so um, with that, you can use a lower rate and mix with sharpen, and then you get kind of like good control even under those stress conditions. And then we have the aim here mixed with the gramoxone. And as I mentioned, we have Vida here too. Um, and then the maestro, which is bromoxanol, and then different combinations of this. And so um, these adjuvants we use to try to standardize them so that if there is any difference and we can attribute it to herbicide, but you can use different adjuvants labeled um, for these herbicides. And then from 17 to 20, where we have the Roundup, we have the regular power max, um, 22 ounces an acre, and then the power max, 32 ounces an acre. And we tried to replicate that for the power max three, um, but I screwed up the rate and so, we actually spray um, around 17 ounces or so 20 ounces um, per acre, um, and then 24 instead of 30. Um, so the equivalent rate for the 22 ounces would be 20 and 0.7, around 21 ounces, just because of differences in the active ingredients. So just keep that in mind when you begin to see uh, some of those results. So this is a nice photo of the diversity of herbicide that we use um, in the trial. And so this is one of our trial sites. And I just want to mention that. So you can see the weed pressure um, that can get my laser pointer. The weed pressure here is pretty, is pretty um, decent weed pressure. Now, as you can see, except this first plot here, where we have the impact, um, everything has been smoked. And you will see that in the results that this really worked well in terms of both grassy weed control and the broadleaf that we had. We had kosher here, we had common lamb scorers. Unfortunately, we don't have any rye grass here, but we had barnyard grass. And so that's kind of approximate um, um, herbicide, um, weed, grassy weed, um, for just to give you an idea how this works. And so if you just zoom in into some of these plots, you can just see um, it's clean in terms of weed control in this plot. So I'm just gonna jump into the results um, here. And as you can see here, really good weed control. Just, um, Fourteen bar. Um, Fourteen covered part of my graph, so um, I would try do my best to see those things that are at the top. Um, but you can see that really good weed control. That it takes it comes down here and the run up at thirty two ounces. If you are using that one as your standard, pretty good weed control above ninety percent, and then it begins to drop from here. And so it's just the impact and rabbiting by themselves that didn't provide kind of the level of control that we would want for common lamb scores here. And I just wanna mention that if you start mixing some of these, you get really good with control. And Liberty um, by itself did really well, but as I mentioned, it's pretty expensive. Mention that we screwed up on the rate instead of um, 21 ounces, we have like around 17, 24 ounces less. 
we still got very good with control with the power max three and so if they have that kind of labeled for um the equivalent label for dry land um it would be a good addition if you still want to use roundup or you want to pre-mix the roundup with some of these we try not to mix roundup with some of these chemistries because we know roundup works so well that if you just mix with other herbicides just mask the effect and so um in terms of broadening um, broadening your weed control spectrum um, you can make some of these chemistries and i know that Corey mentioned in the past that one thing that probably growers need is to kind of give you a list of things that you can tank mix so that people will know that okay i'm okay tank mixing this with this and so hopefully in the future we're able to do something like that um so that you can um, know that um, you can mix this 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 and that if they are not stated on the label and kosher control, uh, as you can see here, once again, that Liberty with Sharpen did really well. And when it gets down here, um, this is a roundup treatment. And they are doing really well. As I said, the equivalent rate here should be around 30 ounces. Um, but even with that almost five ounces less, um, it's still the power max story is still giving you the same control as a regular power max. And so they might be right that it probably does well in dry land conditions. Um, but it's just one year data, so just take it um, with a grain of salt. Um, and as I mentioned, if your problem is broadly weeds, um, you have a lot of options with Avida and Gramoxone and even Liberty. Um, last year, we got really good weed control um, through this. And Revitin by itself, once again, around that 80%. And so my thinking is that you might have to pre-mix um, mix Revitin with something else um, for weed control. And so, um, Corey, suggested I'll include dicamber in this trial this coming season. And so we'll try and throw some dicamber in with Revington to see how that would work well, how that would work. And that would kind of also beat down the price if you can cut back the rate um, to see the weed control spectrum for that. Um, pigweed, uh, redwood pigweed, and that was on a broadly weed that we had. And in general, that was more susceptible to most of the herbicide we tested compared to lamp quarters and then um, kosher. I can see once again, um, it's just the impact that by itself that was not doing so well. Uh, Revitin here was around 90%, so that was good. And then really good control of pigweed um, across board for most of those mixes um, compared to kind of just um, almost similar to the Roundup treatment. And so you have a lot of options. Um, and so please, if you need a copy of this slide after this presentation, you can let um, Garrett or Casey know um, or you can just send me an email and I'll be more than happy to send it to you. Um, Barnyard grass, as I mentioned, that's one of the main grasses we had. And I just want to point out that Roundup still remains one of the most effective herbicide for grass weed control. You can see out there, um, but Liberty is just right around the corner here. And I will show you some price charts at the end. I'll kind of help you make some of these decisions. Um, and with Roundup prices around where they are right now, it's making some of these products a little bit more competitive um, for um, grass weed control. And we didn't have any grass on, grass herbicide only like um, post um, post or select in this trial. So if we have space, we might try and throw some of that in this fall to see how that does compared to um, some of these mixes. And um, Corey was so nice to have us put out a trial on his field. Um, and unfortunately, we only had like yellow sweet clover in that field. And I was kind of surprised when I started seeing the results. I had to go back, I went there three times. And so, uh, Corey, this is just a heads up. I will probably show up next week 
for next week to see how the plot look like. Um, but this is how the untreated look like here. Um, and this is Liberty Plus Revitin. You can see, I was surprised that it smoked those um, um, yellow um, sweet clover. And according to Corey, they didn't come back. So I'm going to take his word for it. And the roundup didn't really touch those um, well. So he would have to. And I saw that he made some application. I think he threw in some shopping. So I think he might have to do that um, in those situations um, to have roundup work well. Um, but we had some good results from that. I'll share the results in a minute. So you can see here on that Liberty plus Revitin, almost 100% control. You can see here on the roundup treatment, we're down here on 40% or less control of that. And so once again, in terms of just broadly with control, you have a lot of options um, for control. And then you have to use a price to decide whether this is worth it. Because I know like the price is always a deal breaker. So um, if you can get a good price on some of these, um, then there will be good options um, for control. And so this is approximate cost. And for this, and then I'm not an economist. And so just take this with a grain of salt. Um, so for impact, as I mentioned, around 15,000 ounce. And the label rate is around um, 0.75 ounces to two ounces. I mean, so like you are going 0.75, probably um, it would be probably a little bit competitive. And Gramoxone is probably less expensive. And Revitin again, 5.55 ounces um, dollars per ounce. Um, Liberty is around 53 dollars a gallon. I don't know how much it is right now, um, but last time I checked, round up around 60, 65. And so, I mean, that case, as I mentioned, the rate is 22 ounces to 29 ounces, and so that's kind of um, competitive in terms of the pricing. Um, AM and Chapin will be more expensive um, compared to Revitin and Vida, um, and so, but then Chapin works well, um, but it doesn't control grasses and everything does. And so like kind of have to make that decision um, if you are trying to go for either of these chemistries. And I just want to summarize this by saying that th there are several options for grass weed, for broadly weed control, but when I come to gra um, grassy weed, glyphosate still remains one of the most effective options. However, um, you still have um, that Revitin and those mixtures, especially uh, with Gramoxone and Local Liberty would give you really good control. Um, of some of those um, grassy weeds. And adjuvants play a huge role. And I saw that, especially in dry, how dry last year was. Um, and so if you are spraying and it, the, uh, the label asks for an adjuvant, please do add, especially a water conditioner. Um, and I would um, say that if you apply around about 22 ounces an acre and your delivery rates are around 15 gallons an acre, the water is almost 99% of that mixture. And so it plays a huge role in deciding whether your herbicide is effective or not. So if you does ask for an adjuvant or a conditioner, please uh, don't try to save up on that because I might have to spray this twice, especially if it's dry um, and dusty like we saw last year. And I just wanna add um, three last points and that we use a lot of group two herbicide and group four herbicide for in-crop weed control. And so if that's what you do in most cases, and then I would just um, recommend that you try to stay away from those three plants because if you build resistance to those chemistries and then that limits your options. And those two chemistries are among the cheapest to use in grains. And so just uh, keep that in mind. And I've seen a lot of people tell me that herbicide are not working and that it's resistant. 
and we took samples and we didn't see any resistance issue. And the reason being that it spread fraud when the, and the weeds were too large or too big to kill. And know that stress conditions may reduce your herbicide performance. So if it's dry and if it's cold, uh, if it's dusty, uh, that will reduce herbicide performance. And so in those cases, um, adjuvants tend to play a huge role, especially on uh, the crop oils. And, and also throwing in some of those contact herbicides like Sharpen and others help in those situations too. Um, with that, I would like to um, thank my crew for helping with most of this stuff. But I'd also like to thank the, the Wheat Commission and Barley Commission for providing the funding for most of these trials. I just want to say that um, I told um, Casey um, at the beginning of this presentation that I really enjoy working with um, the Wheat Commission and Wheat Growers. And so thank you for having me and thank you for always um, um, ready to kind of listen to talks. And please, if you have any question, um, please let me know. Hi, Corey. Hey, I, and there's one other question in the chat I saw, but talk talk a little bit more about Vita. That's a completely new one to me. I have no experience with. And uh, you said it's a desiccant like Gramoxone, or what? What is it exactly? Which one? Oh, oh, Vita. Vita. Sorry. Yes. So Vita is a group fourteen herbicide, and it's it's more like Sharpen than Gramoxone. Uh, okay. It, con it controls only broadleaf weeds, but it's Probably the reason why you haven't heard so much about it is that it's used mostly as a desiccant. And so it, it acts really fast. And by in terms of pricing, um, it, it's, it's good on the price. And so um, if you have to go a good 14 herbicide, you might want to try that too and just see um, if that works for you. But yeah, it acts really fast. Uh -huh. How is it? relative to sharpen in price and performance it worries me how many group 14s i'm starting to fall in love with <laughs> um so in terms of the pricing um when i last checked it's around four and five four point five um, dollars per ounce um compared to around six thousand ounce for sharpen um what i haven't done is compare the two side by side and see which one is more effective and so i can't really speak to that on the on their own, but as plant mix partners uh, from we saw, um, what we saw from the trial, there seemed to be no much difference between the two in terms of weed control. Is the use rate roughly the same as Sharpen then too? That one yes. to two ounce. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I don't know if I have it here. I think you did. I took a picture of it. So yeah. So it's um, 0.5 to two ounces. And it, Thanks, Corey. And thanks, Albert, for putting this trial together. It's a really comprehensive study, and we appreciate you putting it together and, and getting it in the hands of people that can use it. Um, I'm just going to go back up to Matthew's question. Um, what is the current herbicide resistance picture? Um, do you have any advice to farmers? That's a good question, and thank you, Matthew. Um, so in, in Idaho, we have... Um, group two, group four, um, group nine, some resistant to glyphosate. And I think that one, that one is just um, chit grass or downing brome that I've seen resistant to. If we import some ryegrass, um, maybe that might be resistant to glyphosate as well. Um, but I think the most common I've seen is group two and group one resistance. We collected some wild oats um, from Eastern Idaho last year. We screened for resistance and we saw a lot of group two and group one resistance. Um, so axial, 
um, resistance and wild oats. And we also saw um, um, group two, so gold sky, um, power flex resistance. Um, we haven't seen, and I think we saw some beyond um, resistant to, um, we didn't see a lot of good control. And I think part of it is that beyond is not too good on wild oats to begin with. Um, and so, and prickly letters, um, group two resistance. And I think for kosher, we have group two, group four, and group nine. But most of the group nine, the glyphosate resistance I've seen is um, irrigated acres. Um, I've not seen people complain too much about dry land. And so if you have any weed that you think that, um, and I can share, um, Garrett, up to this, I can have a little graph or one um, slide that I can share with you about kind of the, um, the current snapshot of the resistance issues that we have um, in, in, in Idaho. And then you can share with a group that'll be helpful to anybody. And if there is something that is not listed uh, on that, uh, I'll be more than happy to come collect sample and screen for resistance. It's free. And so we can always screen for that. And I just want to say that there is an initiative right now that I tried to talk to Garrett about um, that there are some federal dollars now to just kind of do kind of heavy resistance initiative and it's been led by Washington state. And so I got contacted, so I'll get in touch with you to see um, what we can do with the commission and just to make sure that some of these issues um, are taken care of, that we have options um, for control um, for the growers. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and then, I guess along the along the lines of efficacy, uh, Stephen Hess has a question: What does a hard freeze the night before spraying? What does that have on the effectiveness of your weed spray? I'm sorry, a night before spraying. Yep, a hard freeze the night before you're out there spraying. Oh, okay. So, so I mentioned when weeds are stressed. Um, so for most of the herbicide we spray, especially. The systemic one means that they have to get absorbed and go into the plant to kill the plant. If you spray and the weeds are stressed, they won't be able to take up the herbicide. And so if you are not able to take up the herbicide, then you are not effective. They are not effective on the weeds. And so for if the weeds are stressed, like there's a freezing temperature, the weeds will not take it up that much. And so you might see some reduced efficacy. So I would say that if you can wait until the weeds are actively growing, that helps um, to increase the effectiveness of the herbicide. And I, I do recommend that for those who are irrigated systems, if it's very dry, and I don't know how this year is gonna be, um, we saw a lot of that in sugarbeet last year. If you pre-irrigate before you, you apply some of this herbicide, you tend to get a better weed control just because you have those weeds growing actively and so they're able to actively take up the herbicide and that increases efficacy. Yeah, it kind of takes us back to um, Corey's first comment just on soil pH. He says, uh, not sure if it's our pH, but I get a pretty good residual control with two ounces of Sharpen. Yeah, um, is it two ounces or one? Because- um, <laughs> I oftentimes will put two ounces in with sharpening the burn down ahead of spring wheat if the field is dirty with Russian thistle and kosher especially. And I'm amazed how clean it is still come post-application time with the sharpen. I, I, like you say, I love that chemical. Yeah, thank you, Corey. I, 
I have seen more of a clean free emerging control shopping around three ounces, but I, I would look into it and just see if uh, kind of um, pH has anything to do with it. Um, but it might be, you might be right that maybe because of the pH, I've seen more like around three ounces. Um, I know with Spartan, which is also a group 14, pH has a tremendous effect on it. And our higher pHs just exponentially increase the, the effectiveness of, of Spartan where the rates are about half of what the label is that we have oh, to use. That's great. Well, thank you for that because I didn't know that. So. And Albert, I have a question just on my end. So you, you've studied a lot of these different tank mixes, a lot of uh, different alternatives here and gotten some pretty good control. In any of these, do we need to be more or less concerned about uh, injury to our wheat crop? Have you um, that? No, that, that, um, thanks, that's a good question. If you are spraying in crop, um, most of these that we've done are pre-plant. And yep. as I said, we planted the wheat around um, for other stations around three to four weeks after applying this. And I went to the plot last week. I didn't see a single wheat that looks injured by any of those herbicides. And so if it is pre-plant, I have not seen any issue with kind of injury from these chemistries so far. But if it is in crop, sometimes when you have that synergism, it affects your crop that same way. And so maybe part of what, um, Corey asked some time ago if we can come up with a list of these femicide that you can get get that synergism, but at the same time you don't get kind of injury to your crop, and that's a good thing. And also just you know the flip side, things that if you mix doesn't work well um, for kind of weed control. And Nicole Sheets has a question. Uh, can any of these alternative herbicide tank mixes uh, qualify for use? Um, for organic farming? Um, no, unfortunately, no. Um, so if you want organic farming, I've not seen um, a lot of organic herbicide out control grasses. And so if you have a broadly weed, then there are options. The first one that comes to my top of my head is called suppressed. I don't know if it's still labeled, but it acts the same way as most of our group 14 herbicide and like Dermoxone. So you have to go when the weeds are very small. Um, and if you spray, you'll, you'll get pretty good burn down for those kind of um, broadly weeds. For grasses, I'm not, I'm not quite sure about bro For broadly weeds, you do have options for pre-plant burn down. And I can, once again, if you need kind of that, I can send you maybe a list of two or three herbicides I know of you sprayed in the past that tend to work okay for Group lumber now. Okay, great. Well, maybe just a couple more questions. Can you touch on the direction that you're going to take this study for for this year for 2022? Um, yeah, that's a good question too. Um, I know that we, for one, um, Corey suggested we add um, dicamber to this, and we are going to do that. And I would also like to add some just a grass herbicide, and also. Um, on the commissioners, I don't remember the person's name, suggested that we add Northern Idaho to the trial. And so John Campbell on campus will be doing the Northern Idaho trial, just trying to capture some of that ryegrass to see if we, this worked well for ryegrass as well. And then, as I mentioned, 
most of these chemistries are pretty expensive and we try to go with the optimum or the high end of the rate. And so I would like to try and just cut back the rate or the low end to see um, whether we still get good, 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 good control from cutting back the rate a little bit because once it's expensive, I don't expect growers to um, apply two ounces if they can get the same control with one ounce per acre. Great, so in terms of getting the word out, um, do you have any upcoming events that you'd like to make us aware of for wheat, wheat growers? Um, yes, um, so we, we are trying to restart our um, annual wheat tour um, this year. So it's gonna be June, I think 22nd, I can send you the date, um, but we would have quite a lot of trials to show and we have at least um, five to eight um, which trial um, to show that tour. So if you are in the area or you can come, um, please do to see some of those um, things that we're doing some of these trials that we have. And I should mention that last year, most of the calls I got were about wild oats. And so we have some industry trials, just looking at some options you have, if you have group one, group two, or just some wild oats. And so just to see um, some trilates and then how long you can wait to incorporate that and how well it works for wild oat control. So, um, please, if you have time, um, come join us in June to talk about weeds. Great. All right. Thank you so much, Albert. Um, there's one question. Steve had a follow-up. I'm not sure if you saw it. How long after a 26-degree night is the plant considered actively growing? Oh, God. I have no idea. Um, that's a good question. And I, I would say that if you go to the field, and you see the weeds, they are not bending over or looking weird. <laughs> and I would say <laughs> they are growing actively. Um, it's, I know, especially in East Idaho, when it can freeze anytime, it's hard. And so if, if it's, you think that the temperature has been low for a while, I would try and avoid spraying early in the morning just to, Kind of have those kind of it once it warms up enough and then you see that okay it's it's warm enough that you can walk without um your sweatshirts on i think you should probably be good to go but um um Corey mentioned you probably have to bump up on um, the rate and also i've seen that in those stress conditions when you add some of those contact herbicide um like the sharpen and the revitin and then the vider and aim what those that's that those raptor cell membranes will kind of help that herbicide get into the plant a little bit better um, than they would without it. So um, I would say if you can wait, please do till it warms up in now. But if not, um, you have to wait maybe in the afternoon and also um, add some of those contact herbicides. All right, thank you so much again, Albert, for joining us today. Um, we really appreciate your time. And just a reminder to all of you who are on that our next From the Field will be Thursday, May 26th. We're talking about Idaho water outlook and the drought. Not a, not a really happy conversation probably, but it should be a good one. So go ahead and uh, join us for that. The registration will be up on our website at idahoweat.org later today. And if you want to go back and listen to 
or watch or share this episode of From the Field, you can do that through our YouTube channel, which is Idaho Wheat, or on Apple or Spotify podcasts or any anywhere you listen to your podcasts. So you can search for Idaho Wheat on there as well. So thank you again. Thank you again, Albert and Garrett for helping with question and answer and leading that out. And we will see you next month. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining. Thanks, everyone.